Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I want to talk today about priorities. Priorities are needed when there are several good options. They're not bad options. For example, you go on holiday, you and your wife and a few uncles and aunts and in-laws and children, and you all go on a family holiday to a place, and some of you want to lie in bed and read books all day. Others want to play board games. Others want to go for walks. Somebody else wants to go and shop. Somebody wants to go to the cinema. Somebody wants to go and lie on the, on the sand in the beach. And everybody's got a different idea, and all of them are good. All of them are valid. Nobody's idea is a bad idea, but there are priorities needed because you don't have limitless time on holiday. You've only got a week or two weeks, and you say, we've only got so much time. We have to decide what we're going to do first. And then there's sometimes, depending on your family dynamics, there could be arguments, there could be sulking, there could be tantrums thrown by dad. Or there could be a sergeant major in the family, maybe granny, the matriarch, or whoever it is. I, I must be careful not to let my personal family issues come out here. But somebody says, we are going to do this. And eventually you get some order of priorities. Let me just make it clear. Priorities are needed when there are several good alternatives, not this is good and this is evil. All are good, but there is limited resource. And therefore, a priority is needed. And we as humans, sometimes democracy is the way we, we get to that consensus. Sometimes it's just the most loud and persuasive person or the most annoying person or whatever it is wins the day. And, and that's how we set priorities. But we're doing a sermon series called First because God has priorities and I am of the belief and strong conviction that if I get my priorities in line with the priorities of the king of the universe, I'm going in the right direction, even if those priorities are different from what I would normally have thought were right. And as a church, we have decided we want to get our priorities in line with God. Again, not saying some things are bad, and others are good, but saying out of all of these good things, how do we organize our priorities when there is a limited amount of time or resources or whatever it is? And the book of Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul in about AD 65 to his young son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy is described as a timid man. In 1 Corinthians, he says, I'm sending Timothy to you. Make sure you don't scare him. He was a timid, scared man. And yet Paul sent him because of his heart, because his heart was full of love and he, he had the right desire to love and care for people. Paul sent him to be the leader of an enormous church, the church in Ephesus. And... I mean, literally, there were thousands of people in this church. There were many elders. There were many groups meeting in homes. There were large meetings, huge resources and, and big decisions to be made. A large church. And Timothy is the leader. Young 
timid Timothy as the leader. And the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, which is similar to Titus, which is for another man in another place. But those three are the only books in the Bible where one person is being addressed as the leader of a church. Philemon is similar. It's written to one person, but he wasn't leading a church so much as a home a home situation but we have a letter written to a man who is leading a large church and in this letter now that I'm talking about priorities it'll become clear to you he says to him in chapter 3 this is how you organize a church and the leadership and the structures and the administration and getting everything right making sure it's orderly and organized is organization good yes those of us who are accountants say yes organization is good i must have my shirts folded and lined up in color order in my in my cupboard and my socks must be exactly in the right place order is good is order good yes order is good is it first priority you say oh you're saying it's not good it is good it just may not be first there may be times when resources are limited where order must be sacrificed for something else. That's chapter 3. Chapter 4 of Timothy, 1 Timothy, he talks about doctrine, education, knowledge. He says what you must teach and what you mustn't teach and why you must teach it and who you must teach it to and make sure people are educated and they learn and they understand the Bible. Craig, the teachers among us are twitching now. Are you saying Bible isn't first? Are you saying teaching isn't important? It is important. But it may not be number one. Scared people here. Scared teachers. Chapter 5, he talks about money and caring for needy people. And it's a shocking chapter, by the way. I don't have time to teach on it now. But if you want to know what Paul said to Timothy about how to handle the money in the church and how to help needy and poor people, it'll surprise you. The whole of chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. And interestingly enough, he includes in there how to pay the elders, the, the full-time pastors of the church, and it's funny because the whole chapter is about needy people and he includes pastors as being part of the group who are needy. And it's interesting that Timothy as the leader, a young, timid, inexperienced man is having to make financial decisions about how much to pay the elders and he's having all of these needy people from the whole city of Ephesus coming and saying, I'm needy, my mom needs this, my child needs this, I haven't got a job, I, I need help, what about those poor people? And Timothy is having to make decisions. Again, priorities. He's not saying your need is not a, an important need, he's saying we have a limited resource, we have to prioritize, and the Word of God Paul gives Timothy the instructions on how to prioritize, and you will be shocked when you see what he says about how the church should help the needy. And it's all about looking after ourselves and our needs and, and caring for people and, and being a caring community. And again, 
some of you who may be not the most organized or maybe not teachers, but you're the carer types, your heart is hurt now because I'm saying maybe it's not the first priority. But it's not the first priority. It is important. He puts it there. He devotes a whole chapter to it. And he tells Timothy, yes, this is important. So, 1 Timothy chapter 1 is introductory greetings from Paul to his dear son Timothy. Chapter 6, the last chapter, is concluding farewell remarks. But chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 are the meat of how do you run a church? And we've already said chapter 3, organization and leadership. Chapter 4, doctrine. Chapter 5, caring for the needy. But chapter 2, he says this. Therefore, I exhort first of all and then he's going to explain what comes first and I just need to be completely frank with you if we do not put this thing that he's about to describe first it doesn't mean that all those other things are unimportant but if it doesn't come first in priority we are disobeying the Bible I'm just making this clear. It's not a person's opinion. It's not, well, let's, let's jostle and say, I want my thing. No, I want my, no, let's say, what does God say? And God says, first of all, this thing must be put in place. I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. What is that talking about? It's four words that describe prayer. Supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Prayer simply means talking to God. God, it's a lovely day today. God, I'm feeling sad. God, whatever, just talking. Prayer is talking. Supplication means asking. God, please, I need, I want, would you help? Would you ask? Intercession means wrestling against evil in prayer. You know, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't take up swords and we don't use earthly methods to fight against situations and things. The Bible says we wrestle through prayer and that's what intercession is, where we pray and the Holy Spirit helps us and we wrestle against an injustice or an error or a, a sickness or a sin and we, we fight for God in prayer. That's what intercession is. And then thanksgiving is you praise God and we must have all of our prayers must be thanksgiving prayers. So he says praying, asking, interceding and giving thanks. He's going to tell us the four types of prayer but then he says for all men. Now he's going to tell us who we pray for. For all men and verse 2 says for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence so he says we pray for all men and that really does mean for all men for all people in our community in our environment but all around the world as well we pray for all men and he's going to explain why we pray for all men a little later but then he says for kings and all of those who are in authority why does he say this Friends, we need to understand when this book was written, when this letter was written, the Roman government oppressed the Christians and the Jews and everybody else. They oppressed them. 
The Romans were in charge of most of the civilized world and they oppressed people and they, um, they extracted taxes from them. And the Jews especially were really upset about this and they rose up again and again and wanted to overthrow the Roman government and they wanted freedom, they wanted political independence, they wanted to be able to govern themselves. They said this is an unjust government. Nero was the emperor and he was an evil emperor. He put Christians on stakes of wood and he put tar on them and he lit them on fire to be streetlights in Rome. Nero was an evil ruler and the Christians were persecuted. Hebrews 10 talks about all your goods have been confiscated but you rejoice because you know that you have a greater inheritance in heaven. Hebrews 12 says, and you're resisting against sin. You haven't yet shed your blood, but he, he implies you're about to. They, it was an evil government they were under, and the Christians always wanted, they were told to pray for the kingdom of God to come, but they thought it meant political kingdom. They thought we must change the politics and the government. And so in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, he says, you will be, wait in Jerusalem, in a few days you will be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing the disciples say to him? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you throw out the Romans when we get baptized with the Spirit? They thought it was political change. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons set by my Father's authority, but you be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, it's a godly kingdom. You've got to get people saved. Getting the gospel to people is the kingdom we should be worried about. Does that mean politics is unimportant? No, it's a priority thing. First comes getting people saved. Second comes trying to sort out the politics. And that's why my heart has been a little bit hurt this week. Because we're going to see in a moment that he wants us to be peaceful, to be gentle, to, he says later, men must lift up holy hands without wrath and disputing and arguing. In Titus chapter 3, he says you should speak evil of no one but be submissive. Why? Is it because he doesn't want godly government? Jesus could have overthrown the Romans. Why didn't he? Because it's a priority thing. First comes salvation, the gospel. People coming to know Jesus is more important than having a godly government. Was slavery a bad thing? Yes. In 1 Corinthians 7, he says, if you can get out of slavery, please get out. It's not a good thing. In 1 Timothy 1, sorry, 2 Timothy 1, verse 10, he says, ungodliness is the same as slave trade. It, slavery was a bad thing, but he didn't try and overthrow it. He said, let's get the gospel out first. And when people's hearts are changed and they become Christians, slavery will be done away with. And that's what we saw in the Western world in the 16 and 1700s. Christians campaigned against slavery and overthrew it. But the first thing is getting people saved. Is it important that slavery gets abolished? Yes, but salvation is more important. Is it important that our government is a Christian government or a godly government? Yes, but first get people saved priorities count. So listen to what he says. 
pray for kings and all who are in authority and for all men. What must we pray? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Please hear me. Let me be as clear as I can. He is not saying pray that the government becomes a Christian government. He's not saying pray that they enforce Christian morals on the whole land. He's saying pray that we can be left in peace to, to be Christians. Because when we're in peace and there's freedom of religion and freedom of expression and we're not persecuted and we're allowed to just be us, the gospel will shine by itself and people will get saved. I was at a Christian boarding school and we were forced to go to chapel every morning and sing Christian hymns and listen to a Christian sermon and nobody got saved. Because when you're forced to be a Christian, you do not become a Christian. When the government tells you to obey Christian morals without your heart being changed, it doesn't help, it just hardens your heart. But when there's freedom of expression, which means other religions can say what they want to say, people who think differently can express their beliefs, but we can also express ours. When there's freedom, the gospel light shines and people get saved. And we are so blessed that we live in a free society. I've been in societies where there isn't freedom. You know, there's countries where you're not allowed to meet in Christ's name. There are countries where you're not allowed to preach the Bible. We have the freedom of speech and expression and religion and meeting together. And we must pray, firstly, that there is freedom because when there's freedom, God's light will shine. And then the reason we pray, so we know who we're praying for, we know what we're praying for. The reason is this. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants people saved. Again, priorities. Are you saying, Greg, God wants bad laws? No, he wants good laws. He wants righteous laws. He wants the government to do things correctly. But he's more concerned about people becoming Christians. You're saying he wants injustice. and No, he wants all of that sorted out. But get our priorities right and all those other things fall into line. And then he says, what is the knowledge of the truth? He says, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is it? Verse 5, there is one God. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting or wrath and disputing or arguing. That whole passage, he starts by saying pray, in verse 80 ends by saying pray, and in the middle he says who we pray for, what we pray and why we pray why is because God wants people saved first. He also wants good organization. He also wants good teaching. He also wants us to look after each other's needs. He wants all these other things, good government structures, righteous rules, but first must come salvation. And the way we do that is we live quiet, 
peaceful lives, without wrath and arguing and doubting, without being angry, hateful people. We love, if we're asked our opinion on a political matter, we give it. If we can get into politics and, and affect politics, we do. But first and foremost is not politics, is not social needs, although those will come. First is getting the gospel. So how does this apply to you and me? This is how it applies. When I make a decision for my life, for my family, you know my son recently went to university and on his first Sunday at university, all the churches in the town came and they each set up a little stall and they said, this is our church. Come join our church, students. And there were some wonderfully big churches. There were some churches that were just amazing with all the resources and the, the facilities they had and the, the things they could do, really powerful churches. And my son looked through all of them and there was one church that had only been going for one week and he said, I'm gonna join that one, and I'm gonna plow my energy and my time and my resources into that church. And the reason I'm telling you this is because that church was made up of 50 individuals who had moved city to go to Newcastle to plant a new church. Just think about that for a second. They had given up their jobs, they had sold their homes, they had taken their children out of school, they had relocated to another city, why? Is it because it was comfortable? Is it because it was a lovely, nice thing to do? No, because their first priority in everything in their lives was put behind this arrowhead of we must extend the gospel and get more people saved. And I'm willing to sacrifice my career, my finance, my child's education, although all of those are important. They are not first priority. The gospel is first priority and I'm moving to another city. And my son got involved with that church and I'm so proud of him. Because you know what? If he puts the kingdom first when he's first as a young man, his first steps out of home into the big wide world, and he says the first priority is building God's kingdom. The Bible tells me all these other things will be added to him. I'm proud of my boy. He did a good job. And for the last two years, he's plowed into that church. Not because it's nice. It's hard work when you're in a new church. There aren't all the resources and facilities. It's not nice. But he's got the first priority, right? What about for us as a church? You know, when we go to two services, let me, let me try and make this as practical as I can, using the book of Timothy as an example. We want structure and order in our church. Yes, it's a good thing. We will do everything we can to get good leadership, good structure, good admin, good venues, good organization. Good thing. We want doctrine and teaching in our church. We will do everything we can to put in good teaching, good worship, good building up of the Christians. Yes, good thing. We want to care for the needy in our church, and we will do our utmost to care for them. But none of those is as important as reaching the lost. And there are times where resources are limited, where you have to prioritize one over the others. And it may be that we have to go to two services. And my comfort is a little bit disrupted because 
I have to get up earlier. And maybe the person that I like to talk to after church over coffee goes to a different service. And, and you might say, my needs are not being met. And I say, your needs are important to us. And you say, but my needs are not important to you. You've gone to two services. And I say with tears in my eyes, the lost out there who don't know Jesus are our priority. I care about your needs and your comfort. I care that it's not the most wonderful experience that you've ever had. I care about that. But what about the person out there who is going to go to hell for eternity because we didn't make a seat for him? That is why we prioritize certain things. And I want to say to you, when a church gets this thing right, like Paul told Timothy to do, all those other things get a life, a supernatural life breathed into them. Organization and admin is no longer just a tick box exercise. It becomes life-giving. Teaching is no longer just educating facts. It becomes God's word. Caring for the needy becomes God's family, loving one another with power and, and, and supernatural life because we put the right things first. And I'm asking you, brother or sister, get your priorities right. And when you're in our church, let's get our priorities right. Every time you feel like something is being sacrificed, my comfort's being sacrificed, my preference is being sacrificed, they're not singing the song, they're not doing this the way I would. They're, every time there's a little bit of a sacrifice needed, ask yourself, is it for a greater priority, a greater good? And if it is, then say, I'm getting behind this because this is God's priority. And in our own lives, Let's put everything behind the main mission. Our finances, our decisions, our careers, our relationships, our hobbies, our family time, our holidays. Everything comes under this pyramid of saying, is this extending God's kingdom? And if it is, all these other things will be added to us as well. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.